I'm not insane. They did not put an update on this story. I'm kind of pissed off. I will update our coverage after we stop recording. Anyway, I'll restart. Uh, okay. No, no problems. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so this, this, uh, fuck Jules, try to use all the like noise I've had about, uh, I like went on, like, I'm looking at the waveform. I oh, went on like I'm such not, a I'm long, I'm, I'm not laughing at you. <sighs> I'm so annoyed. Um, <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Amber Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, Stadia is no more. And we are mourning our old friend that we lost too soon, that we ignored, that we made fun of. True. That we occasionally hated on. And now we regret doing all of these things because they're gone. We're going to talk a little bit about the Galaxy S23 because that's coming very, very soon. And then some smart home stuff. This was an interesting week. Apple announced a new HomePod. And uh, Apple also is rumored to be taking on the upcoming Pixel tablet with a dockable tablet, smart home, smart display thing. That's kind of a cool rumor. So I'm going to get into it. As always, our Wagoner, Will Saddleberg. What's going on? Um, well, I'm, I'm having very, very traumatic high school flashbacks after that way that you introduced the Stadia thing. Um, oh god i i feel that i'm sorry <laughs> I, that was coming from the depths of my old my own social life yeah i was <laughs> that, gonna say like the friend that we trauma. ignored and we made fun of and i'm like i'm just no uh but i'm sleep deprived i, I want to dive back under the fresh sheets that i slept under last night and then just sleep until i have to go pick my parents up from the airport tonight fair although I actually will. I'll let you say hello, and then I'll I'll go into my my little su- aside. Yeah, I have no regrets about bullying Stadia. In fact, I'll I'll do it again on this show. Fair. Okay, good, good. <laughs> At least we have we know we know who the bad guy is. It's me. We do. So, fun fact: I'm in Miami, which is why my audio isn't as good as it usually is. I'm here on a work trip. Miami is beautiful. It's also incredibly warm, which is just amazing. The fact that you can get 85 degrees on January 19th just makes me happy. And the fact that that is not the warmest temperature we have had so far this month. Mm. It is. It's a, it's just interesting, right? Like I knew objectively that it would be warmer, but in Toronto, Will, you know, this it's like mm-hmm. winter comes and it stays and then you forget about the warmth, right? You just get used to it being terrible and miserable all the time. To the point where like a 50 degree sunny day that always rolls around, you get like a string of those in February and it feels like you're like, I'm wearing shorts today. Like I'm, just, I'm going out there. I'm going to like sunbathe. It, there's always great. that one asshole who's wearing shorts in the winter. <laughs> and you're just like, what, what are you doing? Who are you? Like, what are you trying to prove? Whereas we are the opposite and it'll be in the fifties and we will have a jacket and potentially a scarf. Couldn't be me. So I'm saying in the like, financial district on brickle it's very nice it's very beautiful a lot of very beautiful people too and yeah this is this is a really interesting city i've been here once when i was a kid we we flew to miami first for a couple of days and then to disney worlds when i was 10 so i don't remember any of it but actually former ac alum as well al sacco i guess we can call him an ac alum him and I are here and we walked like, I don't know, five miles along the water yesterday. And it was just like, so lovely. So lovely. I'm, I'm definitely interested in 
it's like you when, when you talk to people in Miami, they're like, "Oh no, no, I I, I have my second property down here." Oh yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I want I want to be that kind of guy. I want to be the guy who's like, "Oh no, my second condo." Yeah. I mean, you you know how many Canadians have property down here, right? Like, Same with I Buffalo. see in Ontario. My, I see Ontario license plates like every other day. Yeah, I mean, where you are, I don't know if about if Miami is like the sunbird capital of Florida. I think it's more where my my aunt and uncle live in like Delray Beach area. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, an hour and a half away. But anyway, this is not interesting radio, but suffice it to say, I want to make this podcast short and sweet so that I can go walk outside again. <laughs> um, so let's mourn Stadia as quickly as humanly possible. Stadia shut down yesterday. I know a lot of people are sad about this. I don't want to minimize it. I also want to say, we were talking about this before. This is the way to shut down a service, right? You give people ample time to prepare. You give them their money back. You do right by them in terms of their saves, in terms of their existing equipment. You make them feel as good as possible about it. So this week, we got a converter for the Stadia controller to turn it into uh, just a generic Bluetooth controller. Really, really easy tool. You plug it in, you put it into bridge mode, and you run a tool, and it and just converts it permanently into a Bluetooth controller. Weirdly, will it's only available until the end of the year. <laughs> we were like, yeah. "What's going on there?" But you know, it's it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I also think you lose Rumble support. I think I saw that on Reddit, which is kind of a bummer. But you know, if you have a Stadia controller lying around, like obviously you've been able to use it wired with Windows, but it will be nice to have just like, oh hey, I have a another Bluetooth controller now. Like all of a sudden for for Windows or whatever, or for you know Android, if I want to like pair it there, <clears throat> it's it's nice to just like not have it become a paperweight minus wired pairing, but. We all want wireless. Who wants who wants a wired controller in 2023? So. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's nice that, I don't know how difficult it is, but it's a little annoying putting the DualSense and the Xbox controllers into Bluetooth mode. I agree. And yeah. and like having to put them back, it's yep. it's fine. It's it, it works. But like having a dedicated Bluetooth controller of this quality, just yep. like lying around is fantastic for the times that you want to, you know, put your phone on a ledge and maybe play some hardcore vampire survivors or something honestly like even just steam remote play around the house like uh i will stream steam to both my tv and like my ipad and having to find my xbox controller that i don't use for an xbox i use it for windows and then like pair it with and figure out what it was paired to last was it paired to uh my phone or my computer last or whatever and then like sync it to the right device like it ta- it's it doesn't take long but it's like a two minute hurdle. Now I have like, I think I have two Stadia controllers. Like I will now have two less devices to have to sync to because I can just use this controller instead. You can play um, co-op. That's true. I can. I don't know how well that would work over. I mean, I guess, you know, remote plays. Well, I, I don't use remote play. I use Moonlight, but Moonlight's pretty good. Uh, and, and co-op would probably be fine over it. Moonlight. What is that? Moonlight is an unofficial Steam remote play competitor that is built for any laptop or computer, I guess, but I'm using a laptop, uh, using um, an NVIDIA GPU. So it basically uses like NVIDIA's tech to like sync with Steam. And it's such a better experience. (laughs) Like that's wild. Remote play is fine, but I, in my experience, can be pretty buggy for no reason. Like I will sometimes just. So a session would go great and sometimes a session would be like i'm dropping frames every like 
15 seconds or like I'm, I'm experiencing like massive latency and moonlight since I set it up a few months ago, I've had absolutely no issues with like streaming around my house. Like it's, it's free. Perfect. It's open source. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Moon, I love if you have like an NVIDIA GPU, moonlight is like, you should be using moonlight. I also love that it's on its website. It uses a Nexus five yeah. render as like an example. Pretty you sure know. it wasn't around in 2013, but maybe it was. Maybe they just love uh, they just love the the Nexus. 5. I mean, who doesn't love the Nexus Five? It, it had an iconic shape. It does. Yeah. All right. So Stadia is going away. We have the Bluetooth controller. There were talks about like, is this the end of streaming? Luna lost people no. in Amazon's latest layoffs, but really, like, what it means is, I think streaming is still too early. We're not there yet to hit critical mass. I think the finances don't make sense, and we're seeing this play out. GeForce Now, NVIDIA just launched a forty eighty compatible version of GeForce Now called GeForce Now Ultimate. It's expensive, you know, expensive in the sense that it's. $20 a month or $100 for six months. But it's apparently exceptional. I'm sure that it is. But I want to argue the premise that streaming is still too early because we've had Xbox Game Pass and they're streaming for two years now. Has it been two years since we got that on Xbox? Yeah, two years. But it's still in beta. It's still in beta, but it's been pretty good for a while. Between that GeForce Now and... God, what was the third one? Luna? No. I'm trying to think of the other one. <laughs> that was the most dismissive no I've ever heard. No. Definitely <laughs> Nobody's not ever played Luna. I don't know a single person. I mean, I believe that. I think Aside from uh, people that have basically been like <laughs> sent Luna development kits to make games compatible for it. See, I just I want a Luna controller. I want to change it into a regular Bluetooth controller and just use that with my Android TV for when I want to do fast forward and rewind since triggers on a controller are just the best way to do that. Oh God, but that's no, the worst but- thing. I, I wanted like, we could spend 15 minutes yelling about watching Blu-rays with a PlayStation controller and how miserable it is, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Here's the thing though. xCloud does not have 4K support, right? So you talk right. about, and I know this no, is not a huge that's deal. Smart. <laughs> no, no, no it, it, but I'm, but I'm yeah. saying like, from an infrastructure perspective, remember when Stadia was announced and everybody and like Google said that it'll be 4K compatible in a year and 8K compatible in five years and like the infrastructure is going to get built up around it. The reality is, and we've talked about this before, most people don't have internet connections fast enough to exactly. do even close to what you require for a consistent experience. And somehow, I mean, NVIDIA is leaning into this. It's like, listen, if you're willing to spend $200 a year on the ultimate tier, you're probably going to already be spending $100 a month on a gigabit fiber connection, which will give you the latency that you require to play a 4K. Well, the issue is you, like in the US, you might be spending $100 in your internet connection and still might not have the speeds necessary to achieve. Like I have gigabit internet through Fios and it's $90 a month, which is great. But at my apartment where I was living a year ago, I was paying $75 a month for 200 down, 20 up. So like it's a big difference for $15 and that, you know, has not gotten a lot better. I think Spectrum has raised it to like, I think it's 400. I still think it's 20 up. I think it's 400 down, 20 up still, which is absolutely insane. And like that upload speed is essential. I think that's like the issue when, when you know, 
Ara, to your point, like, yeah, these services have been around for a long time, relatively speaking, but it's not in a place where it can be anything more than like a supplementary service. Like, yes, like Stadia had some diehard fans who were like, I'm all in on this platform, despite the fact the game library never really hit what you would see on an Xbox or a PlayStation 5. But for most people, I think something like GeForce Now is the best you're going to find because it's like I have my big custom built PC that I upgrade every few years or whatever but like maybe instead of trying to like track down a 4080 I'll just buy this and I'll either like stream right on my computer or I can stream on my TV or my phone and like you know if it's a little buggy I'll just go play in my office and like on the actual PC or whatever like I think having it as like a middle ground is like where cloud gaming is right now and will be for the foreseeable future until internet improves in the u.s and beyond i think the ability to scale up and down the way that you describe it right like if you are at home on a pc with a wired connection you're getting the latency that you need to hit those speeds like you can play at 120 frames per second 4k all the settings turning to max But then if you're traveling and you're on a 5G connection or you're on a solar Wi-Fi connection, you can still load it up and get decent 720p performance with the same games and not worry that it's going to be super shitty. NVIDIA has proven that, I think, fairly well. So is Microsoft, to its credit. But the max on Xbox Cloud Gaming just isn't there yet. And I think they're still in the process, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they upgraded the Xbox One X to xbox series s right which is in the massive upgrade as the backhaul i will say and like i when i you know started this episode by saying i was going to um bully stadia like i don't mean it's fans or whatever i just mean that like i did not have a single good experience and even even after we moved here with gigabit internet i did not have a single good experience on stadia it was always laggy or like it would crash sometimes for me. And like the other cloud gaming service I've played around with is Xbox cloud gaming. I really wish they had just left it as X cloud. That's such a better name, but I've had no issues with X cloud like at all. Obviously, like we were saying, it's not 4k. It's running off a series S as I've just learned. Oh no, I'm seeing it move to series X in 2021. Did it move? Okay. okay. That's what I was trying to figure out whether they upgraded from the one X to the series X or the series. Yeah. S. The hardware it launched. I'm on Wikipedia. Now the hardware it launched used uh, Xbox one S blade uh, based blade servers, but began to transition to the series X uh, in June of 2021. Anyway. Okay. So is- I blame the fact that the, the one and the series have the same letters, letters. And yep. I just, Te- oh, the, terrible brand. This is Microsoft's fault. Microsoft, you, you made this segment more difficult to understand. <laughs> it's just not my fault. Number. At all. Just, hey, do you know what has never been confusing? The PlayStation console series. <laughs> I was, I wanted to specify console. I'm not was, talking about their handhelds, just the there. console. Well, but, like, but is the PlayStation series super simple? Because you had the, X, uh, the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 5 Slim. Uh, or no, no sorry, no, 4 no... and 4 Slim, and well, how many Slim other Slim was versions? just a redesign. They've done redesigns before. The only PlayStation that ever was like a mid-gen, this is more powerful, was the PlayStation 4 Pro. But even that was like easy to understand, because it was like, at that point, the regular PlayStation 4 had gone away. There was the, I think it was a $300 Slim that you could sometimes get for 200 on sale. That was how I got a PlayStation 4. And then there was the Pro, 
and that was it. And it's like, even that is like, that is more understandable than series S and X. Like it doesn't make it. And so like with the PS five, we're back to just, do you want a disc or not? I still think that makes sense. We will eventually get a PS five pro. I am sure. But uh, yeah, I still think that makes a lot more sense than anything Xbox has done since the 360 days. Even just, I mean, I mean, I know the Xbox one was 10 years ago now, but like, God damn it. What a terrible brand. 10 years ago. Oh my God. That's right. I know. 20, 2013. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's, that's incredible. I bought it. I bought it the day it came out. It like, I loved it. Although it didn't do half the things that Microsoft claimed it would do. But. You bought it for all the TV. Uh, stuff, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. I, I wanted it to be the thing that the Nexus Q never was. But, oh, sure. Uh, okay. Neither of them lived up to my expectations. No, no. Anyway, all I was saying before we went way off was that I've had really good experiences with xCloud and I cannot say the same for my experience with Stadia. It just, they never really upgraded the back end to like have a, a smoother experience. Like, and, and I, I think part of this is that like Google is not always willing to stick with platforms that need time, right? Like the Google graveyard is a thing for a reason they are known to shut things down whether it's been two years or 10 years or whatever but like stadia i don't think was ever going to be an overnight success i know they launched it three years ago they launched it at the end of 2019 but in between that there was like a year and a half of people being stuck at home where they didn't need the flexibility of cloud gaming so honestly subtract that year and a half and then like by then you're looking at like the PlayStation five and the Xbox series, whatever is out. Right. And so like now there's excitement about consoles and people probably got into like PC gaming during the uh, pandemic. And what and else were you going to do, but builds exactly I mean, you, every, everybody did. And therefore you couldn't buy components for exactly a year. right. Everyone built a PC and then got really into crypto mining for like six months. And then they sold <laughs> their GPUs on eBay. Oh my God, that seems like so long ago, like a completely <laughs> different world where NFTs and crypto were the most important thing. Now it's chat GPT making yep. Hitler sound like a nice person. It's just like it, the, the world is the world is topsy turvy. It's just like, come on. None of this makes sense. If they had just if 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 they had just not like if they had reflected on the fact that all the things I just said that we just said happened, like this platform needed more time, like all of these platforms are going to need more time. It's not the same as launching a new gaming console where it's like we can show consumers exactly what they're going to get in a store, right? We have retail space where it's like, here's the hardware you're going to buy. Here are the games you're going to get. Like it needs time. Cloud gaming as a concept is not a widespread idea that my parents know about, right? My mom knows what a PlayStation is, right? Like does your mom play PlayStation? Uh, my mom has been playing the PlayStation one lately because she's been revisiting the games that we, that like I played with my parents when we were kids. So like, is it Spyro uh, the dragon? I played Spyro 2. That was not a, a game I shared with my parents. It yes. was it was um Spyro 2 was one of the first games I had, but it, it was uh the Tarzan game on the PlayStation 1 and I'm missing one more. Oh, uh, uh Toy Story 2, which is actually like a weirdly good 3D platformer. I remember that. I played yeah. the Toy Story 2 game. It was quite good. Honestly, the Tarzan game's not bad either. It's it, but it, that is a 2D like platformer. It's it's not terrible. Was that like um, based on the Disney Tarzan movie yeah, yeah, yeah. or yes. Oh, okay. yes. yes. 
I mean, it's it's actually kind of weird because Disney either does a game really, really well or so bad it's memorable. <laughs> I think both of those are pretty. I mean, pretty the, those are the only two late things. Yeah. <sighs> not not the not the ET game that got buried no. in the desert, right? No. <laughs> well, that's not Disney. That's that's Universal. That's true. That's fine. Yeah. But my parents know that I have a PS5, for example, right? Like they know the concept. I remember like when I was 11, the PS3 had just came out. I remember my parents coming home and like being like my dad being like, yeah, I saw the PS3 at like Walmart. That thing because it was like they were Christmas shopping and he was like, that thing's really impressive. And then I saw the price and I was like, never, never mind. I'm not buying that for us. $600 at launch. Yeah, it was stupid. It was stupid. But yeah, so like I can't imagine either of my parents ever heard about Sadia. That brand awareness did not exist. And to succeed in gaming, you kind of have to be there. And like you have to like be reaching out beyond core gamers because core gamers honestly aren't going to be. Core gamers weren't the ones that were going to make Stadia. Exactly. But my biggest thing for Stadia is that you keep saying it needed more time. It needed more time. It needed more marketing. I think Google just rushes to get shit out the door and oh, not 100%. give it the time to like start small and build and actually get a good product and then take it wider mainstream. Absolutely. Like everything you keep saying about Stadia, I'm just like, yeah, that's what I said about YouTube music three years ago. Yeah, that's what we've said about like so many right. other things. Because, yeah, I think Google, like anything that is a product that people will have to spend money on. Google, I think, rushes out the door because they want the revenue as early as possible and they want to make a big splash, but they aren't willing to have it start small or have it start in like more of like an open beta situation where it's like, okay, we have this. It's not necessarily ready for everybody, but if you try this, the games are discounted or whatever, uh, and you can help us make this platform good enough so that way you could eventually play with your friends and hop into games via YouTube and all of that nonsense that we never really got. Because, I mean, it's like, I hate to bring it back to YouTube Music again, but it's like, YouTube Music was a product that was not really ready, but it got rushed into being Google's only music platform because some dumbass executive could not keep his mouth shut and said, oh yeah, this is replacing Google Play Music. And said that at launch when it needed, like, another two years to get to the point that it needed to be at. Like, it is finally starting to get to where it needs to be right now. You didn't need to do that. That one is like, I agree with you. It's it's not a bad comparison, but like that one is a weird one because it's like, also, you already had a music platform. You didn't need to. You could have just rebranded the existing one and relaunched it with like a new UI that already had all the features that were missing from YouTube music at launch. But like, because they wanted to move teams or whatever, like we had to redo everything. Well, yeah. Cause they wanted to capitalize on the YouTube branding, but more importantly, it's like there was already YouTube integration in Google yeah, play music. Like <clears throat> even from the inception, from the first day, if you had a song, you could click on it and, it, and go to the YouTube music video if you wanted. Like that was the day one feature. And I'm like, okay, if, if this was your big integration for YouTube, what the hell guys well they milked that for all it it was worth so yeah uh, and it still didn't do much anyway i think we should center our minds yeah do sorry. some shavasana <laughs> i'm trying to bring out my inner miami i was gonna say dude you you need to get out of that city in pronto <laughs> come escape yeah, yeah come i'm see going me oh yeah because the hotbed of culture of orlando florida <laughs> <laughs> exactly where i i want to go after this uh, oh boy let's talk about this galaxy s23 souped up version of the snapdragon 8 gen 2 
Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So this is, this is interesting to me because I'm, I feel like this will be mostly branding, marketing, but there might be a tenable difference between that and the TSMC. So this is okay. Give us the, the lowdown will, and then we'll, we'll get into why this is significant. Yeah. So there have been like rumblings about this literally since like last summer, the partnership between Qualcomm and Samsung has been like kind of bouncing around like the rumors for the S23 where it's like, what's going on with this? Are they like fully embracing Snapdragon worldwide? Or are they like keeping a little bit of Exynos? Or are they just like kind of biding time until Samsung can get its own chipset ready to go or whatever? Literally like once a month, there's some like report of like, they're using Snapdragon everywhere. Never mind, they're using Exynos some places because VPs at Samsung want Exynos there or whatever, right? So Over the last like week, there's been a lot of noise about the S23 is getting like a custom Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. And then basically what leaked last night as we're recording this is that the S23 series is going to use a custom branded chipset, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 for Galaxy. The big difference here, besides like a longer name, is that it will feature a essentially overclocked Cortex X3 core running at 3.36 gigahertz rather than 3.2. I don't know if they'll use the phrase overclocked, but that's that's what it sounds like. The original rumor was that it would be built on Samsung's foundry as well, which would be a much bigger change and, and raise a lot more questions about what this chipset is and how it will compare to other Snapdragon 8 Gen 2s and other phones like the OnePlus 11, which is also coming in February, but the original leaker has since retracted that, has said that it will be built on TSMC. So this will effectively be a special batch of Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chips for Samsung. So yeah, I mean, this is interesting, right? Because at its core, it's not like this, at its core, uh, it's not like this needs to be a faster chip. In fact, clocking the X3 core, you know, what is it like four or 5% higher? is inevitably going to lead to worse battery life, higher wattage, higher heat. Like, I don't think it's going to hit those speeds very often. The beauty of the layout of the Snapdragon chips is that it does use the performance and efficiency cores much more than they used to in in previous versions. I think this will, if Samsung does end up using it, which is not guaranteed, be largely for marketing purposes. I also think that it does speak to the fact that the yields for this chip have been better than that of the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, and that this is just an overall more efficient chip at lower clock speeds so that you can get that extra 3-4% and not murder your hand with overheating. And it also just speaks to the fact that Samsung and Qualcomm have a really good relationship. We know this because Samsung and Qualcomm entered a partnership last year to provide Qualcomm chips across the world, right? It's believed, it's not guaranteed, but it's believed that every SKU of the S23 series will use a Qualcomm chip, which is fantastic for people in Europe who have been mad at Exynos for years because every year it falls further and further behind and is now just being rebranded as the Tensor. So that's a thing. But, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but that's okay because that's on Samsung. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting move. I I don't think this means much, right? It definitely would have meant more with that original rumor. Yeah. That it went back to Samsung from from foundries. Yeah. And, and look, you can't argue with the fact that the Snapdragon 8 plus gen one was just a 
phenomenal performance. Absolutely. Every part Absolutely. of that chip was an improvement over the 8th Gen 1. This is not the first time Samsung has released, released uh, Qualcomm rather, has released a mid-cycle refresh. They do this every year now. But this was the one that had the highest, the, the most impact between cycles. So we're in a better position now than we were a year ago, which is a good thing. The other part of this, which is kind of interesting, is aside from the chip change and on the ultra, the 200 megapixel camera, there really does not seem like anything different about the, these phones based on rumors, like nothing. The base level storage on the S23 plus and S23 ultra are going up to 256 gigabytes, according to a Verizon leak. Aside from that, same camera specs on the lower models, same size, same everything. It's just like, this is not an exciting release. Although the Verizon leak did confirm that the pricing will at least stay the same, which is great in this economy. Models? Yeah, for all, for all three, three models. 799 and, and 1199 Which is funny because we went through the same cycle last year with the S22 where it was rumored for months that it would they would all get like $100 bumps and then like two weeks before launch, some carrier leak happened and we found out that they would keep uh, 8, 000, or 800, 1,000, and, and 1,200. Um, it's just funny that this has happened for like the second year in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those aren't cheap phones to be clear like that, that that's no. like th those are expensive these are expensive devices but like it is good that they are not <laughs> they're not going up again well i would ask for that though considering the base s23 is still going to be stuck at 128 gigahertz for or a gigabit for the base tier is it still a 60 dollar difference for upgrading the memory or is it 150 because i've seen 150 for the difference in memory for a couple of the leaks on the s23 not just the on the Plus and the Ultra, if you're going from 256 to 512, 150 makes sense. On the S23, going from 128 to 256, 150 seems a bit steep. $150 seems steep to go from one storage tier to the other anyway. Like, period. Like, it, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what phone you are. It, it is. It doesn't matter how much storage you're going up from. Like, it's not that expensive anymore. No. So we had this discussion last week. That's why people are still holding on to their, like, Note 10s because they, they're not willing to spend more to upgrade their storage i did I, oh i gotta find it i got a tweet from someone who was listening in who said uh when they had their note 20 ultra they had a terabyte micro sd card that was almost full because they had their entire collection of uh digital comics and mixtapes that were not on uh streaming oh. platforms and and they have since had to put all of their trust into cloud storage okay i will admit a terabyte of comics is definitely my doomsday prep scenario <laughs> that's a lot of comics that is a lot of comics granted i don't know what quality they are because if they are like they're 4k or whatever like well yeah well yeah but they're all digital images so that can get yeah, really big really quickly but also damn but yeah there were leaked spec sheets yesterday and some of them had micro sd on them and I forget who it was that commented on it, but my immediate thought was just keep your expectations locked in the basement. I do not ever think we're going to see micro SD again. Yeah, there was like a French leak that had like micro SD noted under the storage tiers. And I would hazard a guess that that is a uh, mistake on whatever carrier that had whatever French carrier had had leaked those specs. I, I would not <laughs> listen to that. I mean, Samsung giving back. I could see Samsung maybe putting it back in just the Ultra because it's already an expensive phone. It's already complicated enough. And those are the people that Samsung wants to convert. They want to get the Note users and the Note users expect to depend on a micro SD slot. 
But I really can't see Samsung going back considering it leads to a less stable performance. And right. uh, by the time that this episode gets published, there should be an editorial from me about uh, how Samsung should give Note people what they want and give the micro SD card slot back. So uh, yeah, re- read that on the site. It'll it'll be there. Uh, I'm now just, I'm now- just make the S Pen like one millimeter shorter yeah i mean they've like the note had a, a micro sd card slot for basically its entire life right like they, oh, they know how I to do no, this well, yeah I have no doubt like, that it's not an it's not an issue of space i mean this it's probably a little of... bit of an issue of space but it's mostly just them wanting to be like well let's not i mean we can very easily no, ditch the sd card slot for space it's an issue of speed when well, even too. if you bought the most expensive the fastest micro sd card you could find and samsung supports some of the fastest memory cards out there no matter what you bought, it would still be slower than your internal memory. And when you're pimping like a $1,200 phone with all of the RAM and all of the storage and everything, having it held up because you put your app data on a micro SD card because your phone filled up between all of the apps and games and movies that you've downloaded. I don't see Samsung wanting to take the hit of, oh, hey, my phone broke and no, it just turned out that my micro SD card corrupted and I lost all my game data. No, no, you're right. It's true. Hard to say more about that. It is what it is. Let's move on. Okay, so this is interesting. Apple could be putting together a Pixel tablet competitor. And as we know, the Pixel tablet will not just be a tablet. It will be a smart display with a dock uh, that will turn into what it amounts to a Nest Home Max when it is docked. I feel like this makes sense, but why don't we get into it? So what is this product? I mean, this, this sounds like Apple ever wanting to encroach into more and more areas of your home is thinking about where where it can start competing like even just getting away from the google the pixel tablet thing like amazon made a version of the fire hd that turned into a echo show when you put it in its uh wireless dock samsung made a tablet that slots into a dock and turns into a smart display like this is not a new concept apple deciding to get in on it is almost logical considering they basically don't have any Apple smart home products besides the HomePod mini and the new HomePod. This is the logical extension for them because they currently do not have any smart displays, period. I don't know how necessarily useful it's going to be apart from the fact that it makes the most sense for Apple considering that they rule tablets. Like, oh, I'm I'm going to buy an iPad and it's going to have like kick-ass speakers and a kick-ass display already and it's going to have all the apps that I love. And then I'm going to stick it in this wireless dock and it's going to connect to an even better speaker and turn into a smart display when I don't need it. Just seems like a no brainer for them. Let's double back on the rumor quickly because it's a little different than what, what the Nest tablet or Jesus Christ, the Pixel tablet is going to be. This is from Mark Gurman. I don't know if he said that, but that is not yet. Uh, some credit. Certainly rare, yeah. right? It's not clear if it would have a fully like integrated base with a speaker, although that would be, I think, I'm sure Apple would love to sell you a $300 speaker for its tablet. It could be mounted on walls using like magnets, which is actually makes me think more of like a thermostat than a TV or like a smart display. But whatever, like who knows, it could be like a control panel for your house, basically. But like the idea of it then turning at night when you're watching whatever on Netflix turning from the place where you control all of your lights and smart plugs and whatever into a low-end iPad is pretty smart because people like the low-end iPad typically like it has a lot of fans so like 
that $329 price has been, I think, a thorn in the side of any manufacturer of Android tablets because like it's so hard to beat. And so the idea of who knows what the pricing would be, but if they can keep like sub $400, which is what we've been saying the Pixel tablet needs to hit to like succeed, that I, I think it would be a big hit, to be honest. Uh, you know, and, and like we said, it comes as Apple is like this week, they basically brought the HomePod back after two years, not the HomePod mini, but the HomePod and essentially downgraded it so that they could sell it cheaper because that was the issue with the HomePod is that it was way too expensive. And this one is still expensive, but you know, 299 is not cheap. I mean, no, we'll talk about it in a second, but like, this is a very strange strategy from Apple, especially for Apple. Yeah. It's, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I like what you mentioned about like a thermostat. I think what's really interesting is the thermostat as a centralized hub for your home is a really good idea, right? The idea that your thermostat is normally in a very public exposed place. It's usually mounted on a wall that is accessible, like right as you come downstairs or right as you come into your house. It's the hearth of your smart home, so to speak. And I think what's interesting is if this were to act in that way, I mean, obviously it wouldn't directly connect to your thermostat. So it wouldn't replace your Nest thermostat or your Echo Bee or whatever. And I highly doubt Apple is going to make a thermostat. But if it is able to mount somewhere, and, and this rumor said that it uses magnetic fasteners. So, you know, Apple's going to create basically 3M double-sided 3M <laughs> mounting tape and, and call it something fancy magic yeah. tape yeah there will be pogo pins for sure yeah <laughs> but it is it's just fascinating right like the slow encroachment of smart home as furniture not as like explicit pieces of tech i'm looking at things like lenovo smart frame or the echo show 15 right which is more of a showcase for like art or even like the most well-known one which, which would be the samsung frame tv not smart home really but like when it's disabled, it's a piece of art. I like that. I think if you are designing a home today, you have to take these things into consideration. And so many pre-builds have these massive touchscreen, like bespoke touchscreen control panels that are connected using these proprietary systems. I forget some of the company's names, but like if you're a builder or you've recently built a house, like you know what I'm talking about. And they're just consolidators, right? They don't own their own tech beyond just working with all of the APIs and trying to make it really easy for you to open your expensive shutters and check your expensive cameras and turn on your expensive speakers and whatever. But I see Apple trying to do that with HomeKit because of Matter. And and we haven't spoken about Matter yet, but like this idea that Apple could create something that is essentially a replacement for these expensive pre-build interfaces well, matter use matter to, to ensure you don't have pre- before matter you had to have kick-ass hardware and good software and now right. you only need to have the kick-ass hardware and a good api so it now becomes less of a matter of the brand of the smart home product you're buying and more of the system that you choose to integrate it with and when it comes to it just works, which is something that you absolutely, definitely, positively, 100% need when it comes to anything smart home related, Apple has that in spades. And Apple is going to make use of that cachet of simplicity in order to try and take home the smart home now that it has matured and matter has helped it reach the point where it needs to be in order for 
Apple to make everything work without having to go to each and every accessory maker individually. Yeah. So it's the right time. And I think Apple so publicly embracing Matter as a solution to all of its problems. I mean, the new HomePod, for instance, supports Matter. This feels like an obvious one. Whereas like the AR headset does not <laughs> yeah. necessarily feel like an obvious one for them. That this is a, a solution that has a problem and the AR glasses, and this is for every company making AR glasses, is a, a solution and looking for a problem, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So let's talk about the HomePod a little bit. It got updated. It's what, $100 cheaper? Yeah, I think, the, I think the old one was $399. It has fewer tweeters, fewer microphones. Still going to sound amazing, obviously. It looks very similar. It's got a larger screen on the top, which, okay, I guess. Uh, it's, <laughs> All the colors, It's a, it's a matter hub. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's it. It doesn't work with the first gen. So if you have a HomePod, if you're like one of the 10 people that bought original HomePod, you can't use it as a stereo pair, which sucks. But I don't think yeah, that's surprising. I would give Apple more shit for this if I thought people bought HomePods, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think there's a reason that they, they discontinued that and, and launched the mini. Mm -hmm. Like, no one was buying this thing. I am sure there are people, <laughs> insert the, there are dozens of us GIF, but, like, I really do think there are dozens of them. Like, it is yeah. what it is, you know, when it comes to, to, to backwards compatibility. It's got an S7 chip inside of it, which, you know, comes straight out of a couple generations ago of uh, Apple Watch. It's got Siri, which sucks. Hell yeah. It's, it has built-in Apple Siri. Music. <laughs> so you still can't make Spotify your default music player. Like, come on. That's one thing people <laughs> wanted out of this thing. Like, you're going to spend $300 on a speaker that you have to go into the Spotify app. Can you, can you not just say... Play X on yeah, Spotify? on Spotify. No, I don't think so. I think that was the whole point in the first one. And that's stupid. That because you, you can do that maybe with you can, Siri normally. Maybe you I was going to say, you have to be able to do that. You, you probably like, can. Nobody would have bought the Mini for all this time. Well, I don't know anyone who bought a Mini either. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure it's sold. I'm sure people I was going to say, we're, we're, we're in the wrong end of that pool. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely like either way, it's annoying to have to say on Spotify every single time. But like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you have to start the stream on your iPhone. Really? IPad. Ew. And then and then airplay it over to the HomePod. That's oh, so it's not even a Spotify worst. Connect destination the way regular like like even before Google and Spotify made up over Chromecast, every Chromecast device appeared as a Spotify Connect speaker destination. Here is a solution. Okay, so here is like the most typical convoluted Apple solution. Oh my god. That like uh, an iPhone user is justifying on Reddit. I'm so excited. On your iPhone or iPad, you can use the Shortcuts app to set up a shortcut <laughs> that automatically starts playing a playlist in Spotify and then immediately airplays it to your HomePod. The HomePod is able to initiate these shortcuts on your iDevice if it's connected to the same Wi-Fi network. So it's not native Screw Spotify, but it's a useful no. workflow. So like, you would you only have be to able to play a certain playlist. <laughs> a specific that would be like, okay, playlist. that would be an OKG okay start my... Uh, <laughs> Start my super mix instead of just being able to turn to my uh, speaker and say, okay, G, play some music. Yeah. I know this is not our forte necessarily, but if, if, if you are a listener out there and you ever see anyone give iOS advice that starts with, so open the shortcuts app and get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Walk in the opposite <laughs> yeah, this direction. Is some, this is some tasker level Call bullshit the police. right here. 
I, I saw God. I there was there was a, a tweet going around that I saw a few days ago of someone um trying that that the only Apple device they have is an Apple TV, which like understandable. It, I think it's a good product. It's all they have, right? That everything else is Android or Windows or whatever. They kept getting pop-ups on it to accept new iCloud terms and conditions on an iPhone or iPad. They could not do it on on the, on the Apple TV. There is apparently no workaround. People in the replies are being like, well, just buy an iPhone and return it. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. And then there's new MacBook Pros, which yeah. I don't know. Nah. I'm Okay, so here's the thing. I've been wanting to write an article, probably not on AP, but maybe on like xda or something one in, in my copious amounts of free time i was yes. gonna I was say gonna I, I i too would love to write articles but that just hasn't been happening of late <sighs> so about like how my favorite gadget over the last probably 10 years is my m1 pro macbook pro the base skew the Two thousand dollar base SKU, sixteen gigs of RAM, none of the upgrades, nothing. Five twelve gigs of storage. This thing is the best computer I've ever owned in my life. Battery life for literal days, literal days. I spent three days in conferences this week, Monday through Wednesday. I did not charge it until four p.m. yesterday, Wednesday, and I I used it basically all day. It is insane. It performs well. I would like 32 gigs of RAM, do not need it. It's the perfect computer for me. It has everything I need. And it's interesting that like we talk about putting the micro SD slot back in the, in the note, right? This is a computer that spent probably four to five years on somebody's desk as a prototype until Johnny Ive left and Apple got out of its own way and admitted that it fucked up and ended up making the best laptop. Of all, like, and ever. that's a great comparison my- point, Daniel. And I'll make sure to put that in my editorial on the note. Thank you for uh, giving me that idea. I'm just going to plagiarize it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, you're opening yourself up to emails in that case. But anyway, I, I just want to say, like, the M2 Pro and M2 Max based MacBook Pros got announced this week. Very minor updates. Obviously, the M2 is not a huge update over the M1, but, uh, Great products if you're looking for a laptop. No Windows 11 though, on that. I, it's it's missing Windows 11. For what I hear, for what I hear, yeah, you, Which you, you are. Miss, I definitely you're missing don't. out on the best operating system of all time. Clearly, I definitely don't curse Windows 11 or this job for making me uh, upgrade to Windows 11 like a year ago to try out Windows apps or Android apps on oh, Windows. No. <laughs> Definitely, every time the start menu freezes, I definitely don't want to throw my laptop out a window. I still have not upgraded to Ventura. I'm still on Monterey, and I'm never going to change. I, 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 I like, didn't. That's the other thing. Yeah. I don't trust, like, on the one hand, like, the Mac hardware is, is incredible. I do not trust Apple with Mac OS anymore. That settings menu is a nightmare i can't believe they made it worse because i i've never really liked the preferences menu on mac os like dating back to you know when i got my first mac 13 12 years ago it's it's now just like a copy and paste of like what they use on like the ipad but there's no touch screen so you're you're navigating it with a mouse and it's it doesn't it i hate it on ipad os and it's it's bad on it's probably worse on the Mac. Oh. Just, 
Oh yeah, I I didn't know this happened. I didn't. I just found this yeah. out like three weeks ago because I've not really kept up with macOS because I I haven't been a Mac user for half a decade. And yeah, like I cannot believe how bad it is. Apparently, you can't resize the window. No. <laughs> oh, Apple. But there's no touchscreen. At least it would make sense if there was a touchscreen. That's all. That's all. Okay. Okay. This is the last one. Um, if you're still with us, we'll we'll lighten the mood a little bit. So yesterday we see this on our Twitter feeds, the uh, feed literally one of the Nest co-founders has created what is essentially a composting bin called Mill that lets you put food scraps, but only a few, not all. You got to measure your chicken bone sizes. What's your cake amount? <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it, it does its thing. It, it uh, composts, it composts it, the food a little bit overnight. De, de stinks the food and then lets you pay to ship that compost to them who will then compost it further and share that uh, nice new compost with farms. And for that privilege, you can pay $33 a month if you buy an annual subscription. Yeah, it's if more not, if it's $45. And, yep. Um, I am open. I am. I'm open. My mind is clear. I've done my yoga this morning. I don't understand this product. I just don't. Well, I don't understand thinking that you need a centralized, like, brand name thing to do this. Like, if you want to compost and have it go towards a good cause, I guarantee you there is a program somewhere in your community that is either a community composting thing that the end product is then doled out to, like, either community farms or local, like, gardens and whatnot. Or you can find farming co-ops and whatnot that you can buy into that have programs for this where you can, like, contribute to the composting in order to help have the fertilizer and the nutrients to grow better food. I found a program in Buffalo thanks to this because Daniel was talking about how the U.S. doesn't have compost. This is it. This which, is exactly which is which you're it. right, which you're right. But but I was just this like, is a failure of yeah, government. Yeah. This product should not exist. Look, I'm. What I'm, what I'm saying, I am actually for the idea of a product like this. Right. But it should not be a private startup, a privately funded startup, a venture-backed startup providing this service. $33 You should not have month. to pay a company hundreds of dollars a year to pick up your compost, your, 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 your green bin. Like, this is, a, this is a failure of government at every level that U.S. cities do not have compost pickup like where i live it depends on your county and the fact I know. that this has to be a it, it, exactly thing is ugh. oh like, to be clear like, I didn't... this was made in california where yeah. i would imagine the infrastructure is better than in a lot of uh, other cities in the u.s around waste pickup and like composting it, at least in I, parts of california i didn't even find like it's not like i found a county program maybe it exists in erie county i don't know but I found like a private like group who is composting. Like I didn't like I found like a Facebook page. Like so you you don't have weekly compost in Buffalo? If there is, no one has ever told me about it. So wild to me. Like I'm 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 as skeptical of recycling efficacy yeah. as everybody, right? Like we we know recycling doesn't work as yeah. it was once. Uh, hope like, to. Yeah, you know, hope to, right? Promise. Composting works, right? I'm not right. I'm, I'm not against composting like, just because just I think this is a dumb product. Yeah, no, no, but that's what I mean. Is that like we know it works? There are so many. There are countless examples right. of cities and, and and counties that have 
programs like this. And I know this is filling a gap. So I don't want to, I don't want to shit on Mill as a product because I think it does fill a gap and that for wealthy people that can afford this to want to actively give back. But it's like, it's like saying, it's like guilting people for still driving cars because we ourselves are contributing to greenhouse emissions. Right. It's like, okay, fair, but maybe talk to your industry pals right. and get them to stop spewing out methane at enormous levels, right? Maybe rein in the over-farming problem as it is today to try to cut down on methane output. Like, right. That part gets me. And as uh, altruistic as Matt Rogers and Harry Tenenbaum are beings here, well, I just find this product to be in poor taste. I mean, literally, I mean, I mean, altruistic, but like it this is. thing has to make a profit. Like that's the yeah. problem. Yes, that's and the it, problem. It, no, but, but the, that's I, I don't know if this is a profit business. Like, yeah, and and. <sighs> Like, also, I just want to say, like, this thing looks so much like the garbage can that I just bought for the kitchen that, like, I would definitely throw non-compostable, is that a verb? I don't know, things into this, uh, into this thing without thinking about it. I would definitely use the wrong garbage can sometimes. Also, I just, I do want to point this out that there is an image in the how it works section on the website of a woman dumping out the compost into a cardboard box to mail to mill. And I just want to say mm-hmm. that there is a 0% chance There's I don't no make an way. absolute mess of my kitchen trying to dump this stuff into a cardboard box. I don't care if it has a plastic liner. I do not care. I will make well, a mess. No, no, no. You would just need to dump the stuff into a container in your kitchen with the plastic liner. Just lift the plastic liner out and stick it into a bag. It, I'm, that's, like, it's pouring still, anything it's too is much. just not... Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's, here's, here's the other thing, okay? So, yes... This does compost. It begins the composting process overnight and so-called de-stinks your food. This, this is not going to work the way that Mill claims it does. There is going to be liquid. Yes. There is going to be stuff that is just not, not touched. You're inevitably going to put stuff in there that, that, that does not get broken down. Absolutely. And you're going to have these liners leaking into the cardboard yep. boxes that you're shipping. Yes. And you're going to leave them outside on your porch and somebody's going to come pick it up. And that truck that picks up all of that refuse is going to be the most disgusting vehicle on the road. Like just horrifying. It, it just like this, you cannot make this a pretty thing. You cannot make composting into an iPhone. You just can't. And I, that part of it just frustrates also okay there's like an app that goes with this that we can't really figure out what it does like based on the website the thing is like connected to wi-fi etc i, I don't want to be a bummer but like i do think there's a pretty good chance that mill is not around in a couple years like what what do i do with this thing do I just do right. I am I just throwing this thing away in two years when Mill dies? Like, how does it work if there's no subscription anymore? Can I still take the compost somewhere? Like, will it work once the Mill servers are down? Like, I don't know. Like, am I? Is it just? Are we just making more e-waste? <laughs> like, yes. And and I think yes. The answer is probably yes. Can you throw Mill in itself? <laughs> there we go. All right, that's the show. Um, <laughs> 
it's uh it's a smelly one this week thank you for listening uh you can find will at will underscore saddleberg and ara at our wagto you can find me at journey dan and jewels at point jewels uh shout out to that lovely man this week this week for dealing with what is going to be a tough edit yeah sorry thank you thank you we love you jules um you can find all of us android police and uh stay tuned over the next couple of weeks we'll have all of the galaxy s23 coverage uh boring and otherwise i'm sure there will be some interesting parts to it until then i hope you have a warm lovely day we'll talk to you soon bye-bye bye